What is up, Internet? Welcome to the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense podcast number 59. Welcome back to another Devil's Advocate <laughs> Self-Defense Podcast. Today we have a brand new person I literally just met a couple of weeks ago online uh, here on the show, which is awesome because as you all know, it's very hard to find guests for this show. I don't know why. I'm very friendly, uh, but it's very hard for people to do this show. So today we have Jason Brick on the show. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Hey, Randy, doing real well. How about your own self? I'm doing well, always. So uh, just in case you know who Jason is and you're listening because of his successful podcast and you have no idea who this chubby Canadian is yelling into the mic, let me uh, go over the format of the podcast before we get into who Jason is. So this is the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense podcast. The point of this podcast is to show people that you can disagree on topics and remain friends at the end. So we are going to take a topic that involves self-defense or martial arts. We're going to pick a side of that topic and then debate our sides on the free portion of the show. I really want to point out we're only debating our side of the topic on the free portion, the part you're listening to right now. If you want to hear our actual thoughts and feelings on this, you can jump onto Patreon, RandyKingLive, Patreon.com, and uh, jump onto our $5 level podcast extras to hear final thoughts for this episode and all the other episodes. Um, like some episodes, I don't come across great because I am the devil's advocate. So I usually take the opposite side the guest takes. Today is going to be one of those days. So if you want to hear my actual thoughts, feel free to jump over there or not. I'm not the boss of you. Uh, we have a couple of rules on this show. Number one, we start as friends and we leave as friends. So I just met Jason. I don't want to piss him off. Um, there's no need for us to turn this into a Facebook comment thread. That's not important. So we are going to obviously do a friendly spirited debate. We have 15 logic fallacies that I send ahead of time to uh, the guest. If we are caught in one of those 15 fallacies, so let's say for example, we're caught in a circular logic fallacy, we keep going back to the same point over and over again, and you can't, the person calls you out and you can't debate your way out of it. You can't be like, oh no, that's not circular logic because this, this, and this. Then you have to take a page out of Rory Miller's conflict communications book, take a deep breath, say, hey, I'm sorry I used the circular logic fallacy, and then secede your turn inside the 20-minute debate. The free debate is only 20 minutes. There is a time limit on it. We do sometimes continue over on final thoughts uh, when things come up. With all of that made, oh, sorry, the last thing I want to say is uh, Jason is going to get the first four minutes of the debate up to the first four minutes. He doesn't need to take all of them, but he gets up to the first four minutes to set the stage of the debate as he sees fit. So with uh, no further ado, let's get to Jason. Jason, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? So my name is Jason Brick. I'm the host of the podcast, Safest Family on the Block. And that came about because I was a martial artist, been a martial artist since I was 11 years old. When I adopted my oldest son at the age of seven and was suddenly responsible for this tiny life that was right there on my hip, I found out just how little of my martial arts training had taught me how to protect him. Right. And I combined that experience with my further martial arts training and my career as a journalist. And the show is where I take that lens and I interview safety experts from every, every topic I can think of. So one episode, I'll have an ex-CIA agent on there talking about uh, trade craft as a, for parents. The next one, it'll be a paramedic telling me, okay, these are the 10 things you can quit doing so I see your kids less. And then the next one, it'll be a suicide counselor about signs and um, solutions. So, That's awesome. 
I, I've been very, very humbled by the quality of the guests that have come on the show. Uh, just really, really smart, caring, passionate people who help me broaden the viewpoint of what self-defense is. You know, we think about child safety and, you know, we'll go sign up for a crop and golf class, go spend some time on the range. But when was the last time we re-upped our uh, child and infant CPR? Right. Excellent point. So take a listen to this podcast. Obviously, I'm going to weasel my way over there one day for sure. Um, so let's uh, let's get into this debate. So the debate we decided we landed on, because it's, it's always tough mm-hmm. finding a debate topic. The debate we topic we landed mm-hmm. on is, is cyberbullying a real problem? So just kind of breaking it out, is cyberbullying as bad as real bullying? Is it worse? Is it less? What's kind of going on there? Mm-hmm. So the topic again is, is cyberbullying a real problem? Jason, what side of the debate are you taking? I'm going to take the positive. I'm going to say that cyberbullying is a problem. Okay. So which by the name of the show, I become the devil's advocate and I take the opposite side. So I'm going to be saying cyberbullying isn't that big of a deal. All right, Jason, are you ready? I was born ready. I was conceived ready. Oh, I also want to point (laughs) out that Jason was on debate club. The reasons are dubious, but he was on debate club. um, And uh, I wasn't. So if he owns me, don't forget, by the way, tell me who won this debate in the comments below. All right, Jason, you got four up to four minutes. Go. All right. So cyberbullying is a major problem. And before we get into the reasons why that's true, we need to talk definitions a little bit. I did some research to prepare for the show. And if you look at the studies, cyber, the percentage of teens who have been cyberbullied ranges from 4.5% to 85%, depending on which study you see. And when I, when I drilled down, it seemed to me that the, the element that was responsible for that variation was how each study defined cyberbullying. So you had studies that were often done by people in the education in the education system who want to avoid the word bullying being applied to what's happening at their schools. And they give very specialized definitions of cyberbullying so they don't have to address the problem of bullying. Where on the other ones where you've got, you know, strong biased advocates against cyberbullying will use, somebody says something mean on Facebook once, therefore you've been cyberbullied. Neither of these is appropriate definitions. But if you kind of find the mean, you're looking at 65 to 75% of teens have been cyberbullied. And those victims have reported uh, results from that ranging from beginning to abuse drugs and alcohol to developing eating disorders, social anxiety, to stopping using social media altogether and avoid and not getting the advantage of proper internet access to having suicidal ideation as a result of their treatment online. And so that to me is a, uh, direct evidence that yes cyberbullying is a problem that affects more than half of kids and of those kids that are affected can have serious consequences up to and including life-threatening situations and i see the rest of my time awesome all right so i have to take the opposite side of this and uh i'm going to agree with everything you say and then also add the caveat all that comes from traditional bullying as well with the threat mm-hmm. of instant physical violence which by nature mm-hmm. will make it in my opinion, for this debate, more dangerous. So the crux of what I'm going to be talking about is the safety measures that are applied in um, social media. I'm going to talk about the relevance of how much easier it is to prove cyberbullying is happening. So it's easier to recruit uh, authorities to help stop it. It's easier. It's a lower bar for entry because physical violence isn't there. So you might find more support in communities. 
Um, like I said, traditional bullying already has the same effects. The other thing I really want to point out is as a kid that was bullied, so this is anecdotal, yeah. uh, one of the biggest fears I had, which is the basic human fear of the unknown, is with cyberbullying, I always know where the attack is going to come from in real traditional bullying. I don't want to say real bullying because they're both bullying, but in traditional uh-huh. bullying, I can get ambushed anytime at the mall, at my house. So I'm living in constant fear. And I think one of the things that people use for the benefit or to, to, to host upside bullying is, oh, it's a 24 seven thing. The kids can't turn it off. So is regular bullying. If you don't know when you're going to get jumped. So I would argue that traditional bullying has all the exact same effects, eating disorders, uh, suicide, but with uh-huh. real world physical violence uh, as a caveat, Jason. Mm. Actually, there's some good points. And a lot of them don't really address the topic at hand because okay. there's nowhere that I'm arguing the point that cyberbullying is bad and real bullying mm-hmm. isn't bad mm-hmm. or that cyberbullying is worse than bullying. Although there are some numbers that support that. Right. Yeah. And to address specifically about the 24 seven nature of having to having real bullies, real bullies, physical bullies in real life bullies, right. That, you know, you, can't go to the mall, you can't go to the malt shop, you're going to school and it's a problem. And so that's kind of 24 seven, but as somebody who's, who suffered bullying myself, and it's amazing how many, actually, I guess not that surprising how many martial artists uh, were bullied in school. I think there's a causal relationship there. Um, <laughs> but we, once we made it home, we could fire up our Nintendo or our Atari, we could open up our Dungeon Master's Guide, we could, read our, t- our comic books and have respite from that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with social media and because social media is so central to teens and tweens lives that you're not safe when you get home. Right. So I would disagree mm-hmm. with that in, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. disagree with the premise. I'm going to disagree with the mm-hmm. output of it. So sure. Mm-hmm. Social media is part of their lives, but your parents wouldn't have let you talk on the phone. Ideally all night when you were a teenager, they taught some boundaries with the device. You should mm-hmm. still have those badges. When you get home, it should be a respite. Your DM's guide still exists. It's not hooked up to the internet. Mm-hmm. You can play games not online. You can still find those things. There is an mm-hmm. active choice to look at the device. Now, obviously, the device is designed for you to look at it all the time. That's the whole point yeah. of the device. So I'm not saying it's, it's not harder, but general res- uh, psychological resiliency of checking your device will still find that respite. And the, the trouble with that argument, which is a very common argument, you know, and you have it from, as you put it, which is a very compassionate argument to, you know, the memes that you see from your less informed uncle about, just turn it off, it's, it's, it's not important. Uh, the research is showing that engagement on social media, engagement online is absolutely central to our teens and tweens social development. Right. It's, and being excluded from the conversation on Instagram is as damaging as not having been invited to that one kid's party. Right. Um, having being drummed out of a social media conversation is as damaging, if not more damaging than the other kind of social exclusion that we experience under physical bullying. And there's and this this, this particular part of the research is not particularly well formed yet because it's kind of new and that people are still figuring stuff out because that's what science is. Science is um, asking questions and sometimes getting answers, but mostly getting other questions uh, that. So I, I just went and wanked on science for a minute, so I forgot my point. <laughs> but my point was, yeah, that there is extra damage in not feeling like you can go back on. So if you have to leave social media because you're being bullied, yeah, 
that is in some way, and you, ironically, if you make that choice to a teen or a tween, that can sometimes hurt more than if you're told you can't come to the football game. Sure. And that's it. It's, it's interesting. And like I said, this, this research is still very, very early, very embryonic. So I don't know. I'm not going to say the science says. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why it won't be the peel of 40, but with this, so you had three kind of levels of this. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying when I say turn it off, I'm not saying quit. I'm saying take a break. Right. And I mm-hmm. think everybody needs to learn to take a break. You're not yes. excluded from a conversation. If you miss mm-hmm. it, your parents don't let you uh, use your phone at the table. Right. That's still taking a break. So I think the, the thing is, is we're one of the biggest defense of why cyberbullying is so dangerous is that we're allowing the addiction to the phone to be unrelenting. We're not teaching mm-hmm. them any pause or boundaries. I'm not saying don't talk on social media. I'm saying when you get home, Take a break, mm-hmm. go back. The conversation is going to be there. That's one of the benefits of it being on social media. It's all tracked. And one of the points I'll bring up later, why it's a lot easier to prove cyberbullying is happening, happening than traditional bullying. So the only, the only concern with that is remember also that social media is in real time. So mm-hmm. consider the situation of a 14 year old who get, and some people are starting to do these shitty social things that teenagers do online and you get home and you put your phone away and then they're all having their little their little hen party about you mm-hmm. while you're not there to protect yourself right and so that break can actually be more damaging and create more anxiety because what happens when you're worried about something do you ever imagine a situation that is better or so do you ever imagine a situation that's better than what's actually happening no it's very no, exactly. So when they take that break, although I absolutely agree that we need to not feed screen addiction, that we need to set firm boundaries at home at the dinner table. A lot of internet experts, for example, say to keep your kids safe, the phone is not to be used in the bedroom or the bathroom, period, end of story. That's, and so you, the, enforcing those boundaries is important. But also remember that the, the theme of you can turn it off and go away when you're not restricted mm often feeds that anxiety even more right. than if they were there seeing it play out. But this isn't unique to mm-hmm. cyberbullying. People mm-hmm. have been doing this forever. People have always had conversations mm-hmm. behind people's backs. Why is it now mm-hmm. more the forefront? Because it's done digitally. So again, I'm not, there's no point where I'm arguing that it's worse than right. what's already happening. Right. It's so, just yeah. that we should take it as seriously as, as we take physical bullying. Right. And so I think, okay, so that let's make that, I'm going to shift that yeah. to my thought process. The crux is it's as mm-hmm. serious. And I'm going to disagree that it's as serious because again, mm-hmm. while it might seem as serious, there still isn't broken bones by other people. And again, the same mm-hmm. thing I was saying is it's not as serious because traditional bullying has all of these same effects with also violence. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that risk for violence. Now, again, the science is new. It's new. Yeah. But, you know, and physical bullying does drive you to suicide. Mm-hmm. That has driven children to suicide. Cyberbullying has driven children to suicide at, we think, a greater rate mm. than physical bullying. Right. Uh, and the, the people I've spoken to about it don't know why that is. And they're also not sure it is exactly so because, you know, again, new science needs, you know, the... Uh, how to put it, our our society is less patient than the progress of proper science. Mm -hmm. So, because you have to, because you have to throw out that, you know, that link bait article. Right, right. Yeah. But but self-harm, drug abuse, eating disorders, et cetera, 
Although physical bullying has caused that. Mm-hmm. Apparently, cyberbullying is causing that more. Or alternate opinion, hypothesis, which is kind of to your point. We see it more because it's online. Right. Which is entirely possible. And that's, that's another point you were bringing up about it is easier to prove cyberbullying mm-hmm. because you have the permanent record. Correct. You can screenshot, et cetera. So I think mm-hmm. like, the, I think a third yeah. hypothesis mm-hmm. for what's happening yeah. is maybe why mm-hmm. we're seeing the numbers spike higher is that cyberbullying mm-hmm. is more in fashion than traditional bullying. So now there's just a larger mm-hmm. amount of people choosing that method because it is not to shoot myself mm-hmm. in the foot. It's safer for both parties. Because what if you bully and then the kid's like, I've been doing martial arts forever. Then you get owned in front of your (laughs) friends as the bully. Um, With that, I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I think it's less serious is Mm -hmm. the isolation isn't happening. That happens really, uh, really uh, predatory bullying. Like they're not locking you in the, in the bathroom and burning with cigarettes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Other, all the horror stories I need to use to prove my point. Um, They're not, uh, it's your word versus their word. If there isn't any bruising, the difference, and also if everybody's scared of the bully, the odds of you recruiting backup is less likely. Online, all of that stuff is taken care of. One, I can block or remove people. I know not everybody will, but you can. It's an option. You can't block or remove somebody in, in physical space. Um, number two, you can screenshot and capture all of it so it's easier to prove. Three, because there is no physical injury there, the odds of recruiting backup and social support is easier because the bar for entry for your reinforcements isn't as terrifying. So yeah, those are some very good points, although most of them aren't as strong as you're you're presenting them to be, which is understandable. But, you know, for example, the the easiness with which you can prove that it's happening, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because you can take screenshots, but also... The glory of the internet is it's anonymous. It is very easy for a bully to share an embarrassing photo of you right. from a dummy account. It is very easy for a bully to recruit six friends from three towns over that know their cousin to harass you that nobody within the school authorities can touch. Mm-hmm. You know, so that the fact that there's a written record is not as helpful as I think some some authorities believe. I mean, if you think back to the last time a friend of yours was stalked or cyber stalked, mm-hmm. having the evidence, if they're clever, isn't isn't as easy a thing as it can be. And again, because a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of, but there's always the the possibility that school authorities will have a less enlightened viewpoint about the seriousness of cyberbullying. It can be harder to get the authorities, the people who are responsible for your child's safety, on board. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that it's a bit of a wash that, yes, you can take screenshots, but also the anonymity is probably kef kef six of one, half a dozen the other on that particular point. Now, because I've been hitting the head a lot, I'm going to have to think a bit about your, what your other points were because I didn't take notes. But some sure. of your other points on that were, uh, so what, I were think, you, what were your other key points there? So the blocking, you can block, uh, take mm. people off of these things. Um, it's especially easier to block Mm -hmm. anonymous people because there shouldn't be any social ramifications for that. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, you can, but I guess if they're, if they're using social pressure, well, I'll let you make that point. Shoot myself the foot. (laughs) Um, and then I think the other thing was it's easier to recruit support because there Mm -hmm. isn't any, the, your friends getting brave enough to jump the scary bully Mm -hmm. in like your old school Mm -hmm. movies. Right. Cause like, as I'm saying, the, 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 
the the fascist change is mm-hmm. cyberbullying. Even if you look at the new Spider-Man movie, the Flash Thompson now mm-hmm. was like effectively a cyber social bully, not like the Flash Thompson, the old ones, right? So there is a cultural yeah. shift. But I think it's easier to mm-hmm. recruit more mm-hmm. people because the threat of violence to them isn't necessarily there. Although I can see what you're, what you're mm-hmm. gonna say next, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first thing, yeah. let's address the, the blocking, right? Yeah. Where you can block somebody, but when you block somebody, you don't block them from talking about you. You just block you knowing that they're talking about you. Right. Which in this in the uh, teenage social milieu, milieu is arguably worse. Right. And and then we get to and that's the big thing in the room that a lot of people have with when they kind of uh, de de-emphasize the importance of cyberbullying about well at least you're not being punched in the nose. Sure. You know, and to your point that it is easier to recruit help online because those people who are helping you aren't risking getting punched in the nose. Right. But again, cyberbullies deliver a virtual punch in the nose. And so there's just as much fear to come to the defense the kid is being picked on on social media because the cyberbully might go find the embarrassing picture of them and put it online next. Mm-hmm. And that retaliation is easier and cheaper to do. And the fear of retaliation is there just as strongly. But it's- now. Oh, go ahead, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And now that now the, the question is, is being embarrassed online better, worse, or the same as being punched in the nose or locked in a locker? Right. And then you have and then you have to get back to the definitions of cyberbullying, mm-hmm. right? Or if what you're talking about is saying mean things on a Facebook thread, he said as though any teenagers on Facebook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, right. That saying something mean on Facebook, you know, that's that's the very tip of the iceberg where we're talking about searching for embarrassing photos from the parents' social media feed. We're talking about sometimes gun, things that link into cybercrime, just much like physical bullying can bleed into assault and battery. You know, cyberbullying can bleed into identity theft, mm-hmm. can bleed into actual theft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the, the damage of social... You know, social bullying via the internet can reach as damaging levels as a punch in the nose. I mean, as martial artists, and we may be a skewed sample, right? Right. But would you rather find out your girlfriend's cheating on you or get your arm broken? Right. I'd probably, ah, <laughs> yeah. But, right? Because right. The, the, arm, the, the arm break will hurt le- for less time. Sure. <laughs> you know? It will. So I think though on that note, isn't it the the footing is more equal? So can't the kid who's mm-hmm. cyberbully do the same thing to the bully? Search their social media, find embarrassing pictures. Retaliation could happen both ways, and I think it's easier because the playing field's a lot more level on the internet than it is in physical space. Well, that's assuming that the cyberbully yep. is as mean as the bully, and is is sorry that the victim is as mean as the bully. Right. Where yes, if you are the kind of person who wants to cyberbully then you can go counter bully the bully. And I think I'm preaching to some advocates of that because again, we're speaking to martial artists and a lot of us got bullied and found the other way around it. Right. But most people who are chosen as victims because bullies, although they are trash, are good at their job, which is bullying. They are going to pick the people who either aren't inclined to retaliate well, aren't Mm -hmm. equipped to retaliate well, or have some other factor that means that even though in theory there's a level or playing field, mm-hmm. they 
they're not going to, and they can't do it because they don't have the skills. You know, bullies don't go pick on the captain of the football team who has a black belt in judo. And neither do cyber bullies pick on the person who seems likely to give back. I agree. And that's general Mm -hmm. predators in in general. But what I'm saying is that Mm -hmm. the way we would show them in physical space is to learn to fight back. That Mm -hmm. is harder to do than learning to fight back on the internet. A Google search is a lot a lot easier than doing knuckle push-ups and getting your belts and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So if the, the obviously you'd be picking passive people, there's that's just bullying's uh-huh. never going away. I think that's the most yeah. important part of this, right? So <laughs> we're talking about is it as serious? Or is it as serious as regular bullying? And I still don't think it is because the bar for entry to fight back is much less intense. Um, and I and I would disagree with that. Okay. Because as somebody who is a parent of teenagers, yeah. I, I think it was easier for me to learn certain techniques than it is for me to figure out how to get back on the internet. The social media is a weird and deep hole. And some of the stuff that you can do to get hold of photos of somebody, mm-hmm. to get into that, you know, that cyber crime level of cyberbullying, the serious stuff, those are skills you have to take, spend time and effort to get. And, you know, bullies, bullies are able to bully because they put in the time and effort to learn how to bully. And then additionally, Cyberbullying has a more a stronger social element where the most outcast pariah kid at school can go uh, work a summer job landscaping while training jujitsu with his uh, uncle over the every other day for the summer and then come back and kick a mud hole into his bully. Where on social media, on the internet, if you don't have that swell of followers, right, your voice goes unlistened to. Where you get where you can say your thing and say, hey, yeah, I saw him do this and that on, online, and your two friends might like like hit the like button, but his hundred friends and the seventy people who are afraid of him right. are gonna amplify his voice and not yours. And so those skills are as hard, if not harder, for somebody to learn and then bring to the table. I I, I agree. At our generation, I disagree at the generation that it's happening to. I hundred mm. percent disagree. They're on screens all the time. They know what mm. they're doing. Uh, but yeah. wouldn't the so we're out of time anyways, but wouldn't the yeah. victim also do it anonymously? So it wouldn't matter how many <laughs> followers they had. That's the whole point, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah. So the, yeah, the, uh, the victim could come in with, uh, you know, tough guy, 69, hey, 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 and, and jump on, jump on the guy's case. But again, the dummy account doesn't have the, doesn't have the social capital, doesn't have the social push behind what they're saying to get that voice amplified. Awesome. It's a, uh, yeah, but as you say, we're out of time. That was a great discussion. I think that was yeah, a great discussion. Very, yeah. very good. Thank you. This was very good. I think the listeners mm-hmm. would have liked it as well. So we are done here. We're going to jump to mm-hmm. final thoughts as always. But first, and again, final thoughts one more time, patreon.com slash Randy King Live. Five US dollars. Canadian, that's like $7.50. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't create markets. Um, but Patreon uses uh, US dollars. So if you want to support the show, please jump over there. New format of a show is coming out soon. Debating two names. Going to start recording episodes here right away. Because uh, people, unfortunately, aren't digging this concept as much as I thought they would. So uh, we'll be looking at other things. One more episode, at least, of this. We'll do 60. That makes sense. Uh, Jason, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? So you can find me on uh, YouTube at Safest Family on the Block channel. You can find me on Facebook, Safest Family on the Block. And I want to just put out a little shameless plug right now. You can also find me on Kickstarter. I put together an anthology called There I Was When Nothing Happened. And on the, in that, I've gotten uh, anecdotes from certified badasses, TM, uh, including folks like Rory Miller, Tony Blauer, 
uh, Nick Hughes. Cool. So, you know, really, really dangerous people talking about a, a time that they avoided violence through applying skills like evasion, situational awareness, de-escalation, uh, rapid flight, and all of these and all of these different skills that you can use to avoid being punched in the head. And I've, I've felt for a long time that the literature around martial arts has lots of stories about the time I kicked a guy's ass, but not nearly enough stories about the time that I avoided having to kick a guy's ass. Right. And so I'm very excited about the quality of the people who have agreed to come in and tell a story, including you, Randy. Thank you. Thanks and, for inviting me. <laughs> and I'm um, really excited about what's going to be happening with that. We have the preview page on Kickstarter now. You can just look for the title, There I Was When Nothing Happened. And I'm sure Randy will include it in the show notes. We go live on the 22nd of February and we run for three weeks. And, it's, and then it'll be available. And it's, I'm really excited about it. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense. We're jumping to final thoughts. Uh, don't know when the next guest is coming. I was emailing somebody who just disappeared, so I won't use their name, obviously, publicly. But uh, we have one more at least coming up. And to everybody who's on the Patreon, I don't think I'm going to stop this format. I think it's just not going to be my primary format for trying to get information out there. Uh, don't forget, we're on TikTok now, at Defense Talks with Dad. Uh, go there, jump, watch my daughter run a YouTube or a TikTok channel and <laughs> ask me cool questions. Ask questions there if you want. That'd be fantastic. Um, TikTok has been way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's really bringing in my creative side. So that's been really super fun. If you guys want to check that out or at Randy King Live on Instagram is where most people interact with me. Don't forget to hold me. Uh, thanks so much. And one more time, Jason, thank you for your time. And we will go over to Final Thoughts. Absolutely. My pleasure.